Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Canada's Podcast Network. I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, coming to you today from Toronto. Uh, Canada's Podcast, we talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen across the country. Today, we're with Greg Van Cleef, who's president and CEO of Elentra Corp. So without further ado, uh, let's get into our discussion with Greg. So, Greg, welcome to Canada's podcast. Uh, great to see you. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, so, you know, for the sake of everyone that hasn't done a little bit of research about you, you know, tell us a little bit about who Greg Van Cleef is, you know, uh, a bit more a bit more about where you are today and, and, and you know, what, you know, what got you there, basically. Give, give us a kind of five-minute five-minute roundup of Greg, basically. Sure. Yeah, great. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Phil, for inviting me on today. It's a pleasure to be able to, uh, to join your podcast and uh, add my name to the uh, the legions that have gone before. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to, to be here. So um, I'm a 25-year uh, veteran of the tech industry here in Canada. Um, spent the, uh, the bulk of my career working uh, with a gentleman by the name of Terry Matthews, who's uh, one of Canada's better known tech entrepreneurs. He's, uh, he's founded uh, several, um, several companies that are the backbone of Canada's telecom industry, companies like Newbridge and Mitel, uh, Mitel Networks. And uh, I was able to participate uh, through the, the growth of uh, several of those companies and then um, uh, branched off into helping him manage his, uh, his portfolio of investments in, in a number of smaller companies. Uh, we grew that portfolio to about uh, 50 technology companies globally. Um, and uh, so I was, uh, I was working in uh, you know, helping to place investments establish, uh, create, uh, grow new technology companies worldwide. Um, that gave me exposure to, in turn, recruiting um, young entrepreneurs and executives to lead those, those companies. And uh, that uh, enabled me to take on uh, and grow into a bit more of a mentor role as I served on boards of directors, as uh, chair of boards, and occasionally took uh, Took line management roles with a number of those companies. Um, that uh, that was great experience for me. It gave me great exposure to what it takes to create and grow a viable technology company, and um, all of the attributes that an entrepreneur needs to possess to make that happen. Uh, is uh, it's it was invaluable learning for where I am today. You mentioned off uh, the top as you introduced me that um, I'm uh, now the CEO of a company called Elentra Corp. We're uh, we're a uh, young um, SaaS-based uh, platform that enables uh, health science universities around the world to deliver and manage their curriculum. And uh, and uh, that has uh, been a, a great journey for me to uh, help get this company off the ground and uh, um, work on some of the uh, the more challenging aspects uh, that are unique to this business. That um, I think someone only someone with the kind of 
background that I brought to the role really could have could have handled because this is a company that was a spin out from a university, a spin out from Queen's University, which um, you know brings with it a number of uh, challenges that uh, that are not commonly found when a founder creates a company from scratch. You have legacy, you have uh, you have things that you inherit when you when a company's spun out that uh, you need to um, you you need to introduce to the commercial world, and uh, um, that's that's given me a, a, a tremendous thrill to to be able to do that. I'm working with some really really bright people. Um, we've uh, we've managed uh, in partnership with our founding university to uh, get the company set up, and uh, and we're growing the business. We're adding new clients globally. Um, we're taking software that uh, was built by universities for universities, and we're turning it into a commercial SaaS cloud-based platform. Um, and uh, that's a just a great big juicy challenge for uh, for a manager and entrepreneur to, to dig into and having having the time of my life. And uh, that's kind of been kind of been my journey through the tech world and and my career in tech. So you know, obviously, we if you, you know we we interview a lot of tech entrepreneurs, um, and you've you've got that knowledge. I mean, I'm sure we haven't didn't go into it. I'm sure we have lots of second and third people that we know because I also grew up in that world, and you've already thrown some names out. <laughs> um, but you know, you've done a, you've done a lot of work on the investment side on financing, and you know, after that sort of idea starts to grow and mature there's that time of financing are there any you know key kind of pieces of advice that you could kind of pass on to people in terms of both attracting investment uh, and you know gaining that confidence that's that's required you know to close the deal sort of thing yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great question, Bill, and it is it is the problem, the challenge that uh, any CEO lives with from the day they take the job is is finding those sources of cash to keep the company going. Cash is the lifeblood of any young company. Um, tech startups uh, very rarely are profitable. Uh, in any kind of uh, short time frame, and so somebody has to fund those losses. And it, your greatest advantage, um, obviously, is to have customers that are are paying for the software um, or the product that you're building. But um, you ultimately do need other investors to fill the remaining hole on on uh, your uh, on your cash balance at the end of the day, and. The, the best advice I can give you is, or give anybody who's who's uh, struggling to keep a young company going, is that um, you know, it raising money is a full time job. Once you've once you've landed cash from an investor, you've got to turn around and start doing it all over again because you'll continue to go through it. You'll continue to burn through that cash, and your investors will be. Sometimes very uh, 
the message you'll get from your investors occasionally can be very heartbreaking, right? Mm -hmm. Your company you'll discover may not be what you thought it was worth. And you have to be open to and receptive to that kind of feedback because investors are, are looking to, if you're working with the right investors, if you've identified the investors that are the best fit for your business rather than them finding you, um, then those investors by by definition are interested in supporting the growth of your business. They're not there to punish you. They're there to help you grow. There doesn't That doesn't mean they won't give you bad news about what you think your business is worth versus reality. Um, you have to accept that news sometimes and, uh, and just take it for what it's worth and then try to go and prove them wrong by increase, continuing to increase the value of your company. But, you know, the other thing is that I was sort of thinking that would be good to talk about, you know, you've been around some pretty successful companies yeah. uh, that have grown uh, and uh, succeeded and been sold and, 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 and things like that. Is there any kind of, uh, well, don't hesitate to use formula, but you, I think you, if I use it, you'll get to that any, any kind of constant, if you like, I guess that's what a successful algorithm is or something like that, any constant for the success side of it, the, you know, versus the, the inevitable drop-offs, basically. To raising money, you mean? No, I mean to, to, just, to just, you know, Keep to, to operate. Magic ingredient to success. The money, you know, you've promised you're going to make yourself successful. Oh. Uh, you know, even even when you've done that, only about fifteen percent of that's of right. That bunch make it, make it. Yeah. The, so the the fifteen percent that you've seen versus the ones that don't make. It. Yeah. The 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 those that get the best start in life are the ones that uh, typically have a customer early, early on in the life of their business. And they drive their development based on the customer input that they, that they have. And that customer needs to be a paying customer, but they're going to be a very high, high they're going to be a customer with a very high risk tolerance because they're working with a company that has no background, no proven track record, not even a product in by any real definition when they start working with the with the company but they're willing to to take on the the company's offering and work with them to as they develop and mature the product that kind of customer has enormous value to a startup company it gives you insight into your market it gives you uh, because you have revenue. It gives you value in the eyes of an investor that they can start mm -hmm. to measure based on your revenue, mm -hmm. uh, and and it gives you a uh, a benchmark to be held accountable to. Right? Mm -hmm. Those those are that's a great great asset versus the entrepreneur who who has a brilliant idea and there are a billion brilliant ideas out there that they go and they pursue at the cost of all else, bringing that vision to life uh, as a product, but never having vetted it commercially in the market to see if anyone's actually willing to pay them for it. If no one's willing to pay you for it, I don't care what it is you've built, you don't have a business. 
Yeah, I think some like, one of my early lessons that was or mentors said, you know, ideas are cheap, execution is everything, kind of thing. And, that that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then you have to have the persistence to just hang in there and keep working at it and overcome every challenge that you face. Um, sometimes you'll be successful overcoming them. Other times you'll stumble. Um, but you have to just keep plodding on. But so, but you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've taken risks. You've done this. You've done that. You know, do, do you? Are you wired differently? Is there something different about entrepreneurs versus people that work for us, if you like? Well, I think I'm going to answer your question a little differently because I, I think there is a difference between entrepreneurs that that are able to have a career in, as entrepreneurs, not even necessarily succeed because every entrepreneur will have have failures that they can point to. Um, but just to make a career as an entrepreneur and make their life in that in that realm of business versus having a desk in a large corporate office for their entire career, um, they are wired differently. Um, and, and and I'll say it this way: that there's a lot of people who who dream of being an entrepreneur, who dream of having their own company because they love the idea of being their own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's so much more to being successful as an entrepreneur and making that your career than just being your own boss. Uh, there's the, it, it is a career. It is a profession being an entrepreneur, and you have to treat it that way rather than just being a, a goal. So you know, I, I mean, I use, I use a bit of advice I was given. You know, I mean, I think. Um, Without mentors, most of us would be lost. Okay. Um, well, what's the best piece of advice that you received? You've received that you kind of—it's always there in your hip pocket, kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's never—you've never strayed that far from it, basically. And just—it's just the turn of phrase that persistence in in life is everything. Mm-hmm. It is just never give up. And you have to turn every failure into an opportunity. You have to turn every setback into in, into a positive somehow. And you have to celebrate the positives, the, the wins, and keep moving forward. You, if the moment you give up, you you have you're you're finished. So you know we'll get you being a mentor. You know if you had, could go back in time, what advice would you give your twenty five year old self? That maybe you didn't take at the time. <laughs> I, my twenty-five-year-old self, I probably I, I would have advised my twenty-five-year-old self to take more risks. I, I was a, I was a fairly um, I was a fairly cautious young man, and uh, and I was pursuing a. I was pursuing an interesting career at the time. That was I was actually before, just before my um, my tech career. So, um, you know, I was I was pursuing a fairly cautious path in life, and there were years there where if I had been a little more ambitious, taken a few more risks, 
I think I might have ended up in a different place. But that said, it's uh, you know the 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 career path I've had has been one that I've been very happy with, and and I've learned so much and met so many great people. Yeah. It's difficult for me to unwind that and say I would have really done anything all that much differently. That's cool. Okay, let's 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 get a little bit, a little bit, you know, less serious. Uh, sure. What books are you reading? What book are you reading now or listening to? Don't care which, basically. And the, or what book would you recommend that that our, uh, our listeners should should grab and uh, and absorb if you like well you'll be disappointed because i'm i'm not uh i'm not reading any management books or um you know uh, anything like that at the moment i'm in the middle of a series of uh of just leisurely summer reading uh, it's uh it's not highbrow literature it's a series of books by a gentleman named Douglas Riemann. It's, uh, it's, it's World War II naval uh, historical fiction. And uh, yeah. it's just something that uh, lets my mind... There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I do, I, I do the same thing. Sometimes you, you want to escape from, from, from what you're living day to day. That's exactly it. Yeah. I agree with that. Another fun one. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Oh boy, that's a great question. One word. Well, okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you between one and three words. Okay. <laughs> I think um, if I was someone else describing me, I would probably say the one word is considerate. Um, I'm uh, my personality tends to be one that um, is. Uh, I, I like I like being good to people, and I I tend to believe that if you're good to other people, you can expect the same response uh, directed back your way, and that's exactly the way I manage. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not someone who is um, who will forego a caring approach toward my employees in favor of uh, rigor on metrics. I'm. Uh, I, I tend to be more concerned about the success um, and the the life struggle that uh, that the people that are around me are going through, um, and uh, you know, I, it, where I can, I try to help. Yeah. So let's just jump back into your business. I mean, what are you most excited about in the, your business today? Well, you know, that's a great a great question. We. We have, as I said earlier, we have customers worldwide and some really great universities as, as clients. We're continuing to add uh, fantastic uh, new clients to our list, new capabilities to our product, and the company has, has grown significantly just even in the last, uh, last nine, nine or 12 months. We're um, we're on the precipice of uh, some um, doing some amazing things as a young company in an industry that's increasingly starting to consolidate. Um, the other thing that's happening in our industry that really excites me is it is an industry that's that is pursuing the curve of digitization. We still have a lot of clients, a lot of universities that are running their internal processes based on spreadsheets and homegrown solutions 
I'm pretty familiar with higher ed. I've, I've been worked on the tech side of it for quite a while. So yeah. Yeah, and, but the, but they're just beginning to open their eyes to the power of a cloud-based solution and having a vendor that that can um, you know that can continue to improve the functionality and feature set of a solution and. For the for the uh, return of a monthly subscription fee is a is a revolutionary approach for many of these universities, and that that excites me. Let's have one more fun one. Okay, uh, in business, what's your favorite word or quote or sentence that you like to use, and what's your least favorite one? Uh my favorite is that there's no innovation without uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I believe like I, I believe that to be really um, a powerful statement because a lot of people, particularly if they're new to if they're new grads that are working with a young startup or if they're new to the uh, to a st- the startup culture, the the risk, that's inherent in that type of business model can be terrifying and it can keep you awake at night. But that uncertainty is what produces the creativity and the innovation that drives young companies and and leads them down the path to to success. So what's the least favorite? Um, uh, The least favorite saying would be... uh, I can't say I've ever given that question any thought. Um, you know, what do you get annoyed about when you hear it? Just like. Yeah. Oh, that you've caught me with that one. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. You know. Let me, let me think about it. Um, and, and I always ask everybody this. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm I'm a I I used to be a morning person, but the older I get, the more difficult it is. But I still <laughs> I like. Wish to, I could stop being a morning person. I'm yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still more uh, more uh, effective in the mornings. I I really am. Yeah, and I see we're coming to the end of our period, uh, Greg. Um, so I think it's been good. It's been really interesting. It's, you've got you gave people some really terrific, you know, insights. I, I think that, that that's been really really interesting. But I mean, it often spurs things. How can people get a hold of you uh, if they, they hear something that they that they want to follow up on? What's the what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah. So I'm uh, I am on LinkedIn, um, and uh, they can find me there. Uh, that's uh, probably the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I, I am going to circle back to your earlier question about sayings that, uh, that drive me crazy. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, I, as a, as an investor, it always drove me crazy to hear, uh, Silicon Valley investors telling their entrepreneurs to, uh, take, take a big check and go away and fail because it's, because failure is a learning experience and, uh, while I don't disagree that you can learn from failures as an investor, I found it really, really difficult to believe that anyone would invest millions of dollars in 
something that they were encouraging to deliberately go out and fail and and waste that money. So I prefer to think that if an investor puts their trust in you with their dollars, that you're gonna you're gonna do your very best to be successful. I got to agree with you on that one. Got to agree. Okay, uh, so people can get hold of you on LinkedIn. Any other yeah. any other channel that that's good? Um, that's the I'd say that's the best. Okay. The best. Well, Greg, thanks very much for coming on Canvas Podcast. Great meeting you and, uh, you know, very interesting discussion. Thanks, Phil. Really appreciate the invitation and it's been a pleasure talking with you today.